Whether we're talking about the fear of failure or anything else holding you back, confidence is the key to unleashing your power. Welcome to Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. Join our conversations with fierce female leaders and explore how you can become more confident. Welcome to episode 15, Think Like a Mother, a special Mother's Day episode. Welcome, welcome everyone. Well, okay, Liv, today marks two months that we've yep. been in quarantine together. How you? How you doing? You know, I'm hanging in there thanks to my family and also our new adorable puppy. She is Lucy, a mini golden doodle. She is adorable. Um, and we're also trying to focus on the silver lining. So yep, yes, we are, we are staying positive. But as the entire world works to contain the coronavirus, effective leaders and leadership styles have come into focus. And what people need now more than ever are leaders with empathy, compassion, and an ability to show support, skills that women leaders tend to exhibit more than men. Yeah, you know, I've been in awe reading about New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and Norway's Prime Minister Erna Solberg. These are amazing yeah, leaders. And it's interesting to note that research has consistently found that women tend to adopt a more transformational leadership style, which includes demonstrating compassion, care, concern, respect, and equality. And if we want to survive and ultimately th thrive in the new normal, this COVID-19 post-normal world, we should make sure that women leaders are always at the table. And, you know, one amazing woman leader who has worked to get this seat at the table is our is today's guest, Yifa Suskin. She's a lifelong human rights activist and the executive director of Madre, a global humanitarian organization dedicated to women's rights. Yifa uh, combines human rights advocacy with international feminism to meet urgent global needs and create lasting solutions to humanity's most pressing problems. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, The Washington Post, The Guardian, Harvard International Review, and many others. She's been a featured commentator on CNN, NPR, and BBC Radio, and is an internationally respected authority on feminism and human rights. So welcome to Confident, Yifat. Thanks for having me. It's great to be part of the podcast. And I also want to wish you a very special Mother's Day. I know you have two sons, and I hope that you are properly celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had a really nice day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an honor to have you on Confident. And let's start with your work at Madre, fighting for feminist futures and gender justice. Can you tell us about your work and your mission? Sure. So Madre is an organization that is based in New York City, but we actually work all around the world with um, grassroots women's organizations, usually small community-based groups, in um in in places that are really hard hit the places that we tend to think of as like uh just the, the most impacted in the world so war zones places um really um grappling with some of the worst impacts of, of climate change and environmental destruction those are the contexts that we work in real crisis settings and what we find every place where people are in crisis is that women are doing what moms often do on the on the family level, which is um, which is to to organize and to mobilize and to make sure that people's most important needs are being met, 
and that those needs are being met in a way that can sustain hope for the future and and keep alive a kind of a long-term idea about what we want to see in our families, in our communities, and and in this world. And so what Madre does is um, give people a way in this country to really work in common cause with women who are on the front lines of some of these big disasters in the world. Um, We um, raise money and make grants to support the mobilizing that women are doing at the local level in crisis zones in mostly in Latin America and in the Middle East and Africa and Asia. Um, and we work with our partner organizations to make sure that their work is really, really strong so that we um, know, and this is true whether we live in, in, in Connecticut or in, in a rural part of Bangladesh or wherever, that um, we really need to have strong, vibrant women's rights organization at, at organizations at the most local level where people can access them. Um, and so that's that's the work that I'm like so privileged uh, to get to do every day with these amazing women activists from around the world. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so incredible, and and it's also been your life's passion. I mean, you've been with Madre for over 23 years, and I believe Madre itself has been um, working um, in women's rights for over 30 years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. The organization is um, 37 years old. And, you know, I came to Madre when I was in my late 20s. And I definitely never imagined, as I'm sure is true for people starting out in their careers now, that I would stay at that one organization for really my whole career. I'm like, um, I'm going to be 53 later this month. So um, was not my plan. And I probably would have been horrified at the age of 29 if someone told me I would be there for so long. But um, I had the incredible good fortune to have um, a really wonderful mentor who was the longtime executive director of Madre before me, a woman named Vivian Stromberg, who, um, you know, really saw uh, my potential as a young activist and human rights worker and um, really mentored me very um, intentionally. And I think that had a lot to do with my um, it, it being the right decision uh, for me to stay all these years. Right. Well, and of course, while we've seen progress, we know there's still much more work to be done. So thank you for continuing in your life's work and passion and in, in fighting for women's rights. And I know that Madre means mother in Spanish, which is a great connection to your viral TED talk, Think Like a Mother. And while you delivered this TED talk before the COVID-19 global pandemic, this message resonates even stronger today. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah, we've had this tremendous response to the TED Talk and I really do think it's because um, people are um, looking for some kind of a, a, a way to do what, what we really needed to do even before COVID, but now it's brought home in, in such a powerful way, which is to figure out how do we how we navigate these big global crises. So whether we're talking about the pandemic or, um, or other sort of existential threats around resource depletion and climate change or the renewed threat of nuclear war that's emerged in the past few years, um, I don't have to list them out. There's like no shortage of big, scary things to be very worried about. And, you know, it's one thing to worry about these disasters, but it's another thing entirely to feel like you know what you need to do about this. Um, that can be really, really hard. And, um, and so what I wanted to do in the, in the TED Talk was to find a, a familiar modality for people 
um, not something that is like some unattainable way of being that only, you know, heroes and super activists um, can do, but something that we, we, we all can do and that is innate to who we are as people. And this is not about, you know, whether or not you have, have kids or what your gender is or your family status. This is really about um, this idea that we can't, that I put forward about thinking like a mother is really something that, that all of us can do because fundamentally it's about looking at a problem and understanding what needs to happen to prioritize the needs of the people who are made, made the most vulnerable by that threat. And I think that, you know, that is something that moms do all the time. Um, and I think that if we can find more ways to do that in our relationships with each other, and in particular, in the way we think about the macro level, the way we think about policymaking, um, that we will all be in much better shape, not just people who have, who have been made vulnerable by violence and discrimination, um, as we're seeing now in COVID, that the, that the impacts are very, very different for people whose health is so compromised even before they got the virus because of poverty, um, and, and that being in our country in particular, so linked to racism. So those are big, complicated issues. But if we want to figure out what to do about them, one place to start is to just ask, what do we need to do to protect the people who are most at risk and build our policies in response to that question? I thought the TED Talk was brilliant. Yeah. I've listened to it several times. I've, I think every human being on the planet should listen to it. And I've been a mother now for 19 years. I have, I have three teenagers, um, but it has me thinking about motherhood in a whole new way. And you're right that... The, the, the lens of motherhood and the skill skills of motherhood that can be applied um, to make the world a better place. I love how you included in your TED talk what the poet Alexis Avo said, that motherhood is an understanding of the needs of the world. And can you just expand on that? How, because I think this is like truly like tr transformational for many people who, who've never thought that they could think like a mother. Like how is that, how can that lens be available to everyone? Yeah, well, like I was saying, you know, and, and I love that poem also, you know, she starts out by saying that that motherhood is not simply the organic process of giving birth. It's an understanding of the needs of the world. And, um, and I think we get stuck in that first that first iteration, right, that people think that mothering is, is just about raising kids and more specifically just about raising your own kids. Um, and I think that we see a real um, transformative possibility uh, when people externalize that and, and, can, and can, can take that model and, and stretch it to make it universal so that we understand that, that that is how we need to relate to all children and actually to all people. And, um, you know, I think there's some really powerful expressions of people doing that. And they are not, and, and I'm not talking about moms protecting their own kids, which of course we all try to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, what's coming to mind right now as we talk is, um, you know, a state senator um, from, from Virginia a couple of months ago who was, there was a, a debate in the state house about what was going on on the border um, in the immigrant detention centers and the, um, the ripping away of children from their parents um, by this current U.S. administration and the jailing of kids on the border. And, um, you know, and one of the things he said in passing sort of in his remarks, he said, you know, these are all our children. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And I think that's a great example of that. You know, he, he never met any of those kids. He wasn't speaking as a family member. He wasn't even in the same state as them. You know, he was doing what everyone else has doing, been doing these past years, which is watching this sort of horror, you know, um, roll out across your, our news feeds and on our screens. And, um, and that was his response. These are all our children. And I think that's really instructive. Mm-hmm. Are you hopeful that this global pandemic has, has reminded hum- humans that we are all interconnected and that we all do need to look after each other? Are you, are you hopeful on that front? Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm less certain that I'm optimistic, um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean. I, I do, I think you're absolutely right that a fundamental lesson of the pandemic is how not just interrelated, but interdependent um, the whole world really truly is. Um, and that that is such a foundational principle for us to, to, to build our lives and our societies in in ways that will be healthier for everybody and where more people can flourish and where we can protect the planet and you know these sort of big big things that we know need to happen in the world right um and that lesson of interdependence you know if somebody if somebody is has this virus anywhere in the world it potentially impacts you no matter where you are in the world so that has been really really clarified for people um and i do think that we've also seen a political mobilization in the face of the crisis that is very hopeful um, and that we've seen some kind of um, progressive responses that would have been almost unthinkable of even a few months ago before this crisis happened. You know, things like evictions on, uh, more, sorry, moratoriums on evictions for folks who can't pay rent or um, releasing nonviolent prisoners from incarceration. Um, you know, those have been activist demands for a long time, and they were like politically almost impossible until very recently, and we've actually seen them happen. Um, and I think that what we're seeing is what we often see when there's lots and lots of instability, as there has been in these past weeks for us here, uh, new possibilities also emerge. But whether those are progressive possibilities of the sort I hope to see or more regressive possibilities, things like taking the opportunity to further erode democratic process and the rule of law and separation of policing from military powers and things like that, that is a matter of a political struggle. And that's a very different thing than, you know, what your sort of hopeful interpretation of events can be. So there really is a part of this that the the potential is there, but to win that potential, that is about building power and organizing politically. Right. And also in your TED Talk, you acknowledge that it's easy to focus on the obstacles, but urge everyone to plant a seed of hope, even in the face of the crisis. And you include a quote from Majud. If we want a brighter future, we have to build it now in the dark times so that one day we can live in the light. How does this apply to our current situation with the global public health crisis? Yeah, um, you know, I think I think for a lot of people right now, this does feel like dark times, you know, um, and, and both people who um, have been put most at risk by the virus, you know, folks who have lost jobs and lost loved ones to the to the sickness and um, are at real are at real risk and people who have um, more of a margin of safety 
Um, and I include myself in that. I've, nobody close to me yet has died, even though I'm, I'm, you know, living very close to the epicenter of this. I count myself really lucky. Um, and, um, and yet, you know, a lot, there's a lot of loss during this period of time. Um, there are a lot of disappointments. There are a lot of, you know, missing people, missing friends, missing events. Um, and so I think it's, it's not the same for everyone, but it's hard for everyone. And that that is important to recognize. And yeah, there's like, there is this fundamental question of how do you, how do you maintain hope when things are really bad? And I think that, you know, one of the lessons of, um, working with women and communities in war zones and, and places where there's been a lot of environmental destruction, Madre's partner organizations, is that um, they, they, they really model something that's so true, which is that it's in the, actually in the worst of times that you need to be hopeful. You know, that's when you actually need it. And one of the ways that I've seen women in very, very difficult circumstances um, who Madre works with do that is um, even when it's not possible to, to have a lot of hope about the future in the short term, um, they, they, they have a way of enacting hope in the, in the present tense. We usually think of hope as really focused on the future, right? Um, and that means having gratitude right. um, and being able, even when things are very tough, being able to think about what we're grateful for right in this moment. Um, and so that I think is, um, is a really important, uh, is a really important capacity, especially for right now. And I do think it's a moment when people are thinking about what's really important and what's meaningful in their lives. And how do we, how do we notice that in this moment of hardship and then grow those possibilities of what's really meaningful and hold on to it in, in what is hopefully, you know, a moment where we're not facing all these constraints and difficulties. Right. Yeah. Agreed. That's gratitude is so important. And um, that's something in the Live Girl community, we've got, yeah. I'm just so proud of the many young women who are showing gratitude um, to the frontline healthcare workers and to the teachers and um, really making lots of uh, efforts right now to, to give back to their local communities. Um, and and it, it's just so important. And that really brings me to my next question is you, you for your lifetime, for a long time, have been doing that very, very hard work of organizing and advocating for global women's rights. Can, what's your message to Olivia and to the next generation about the importance of getting involved and advocating um, for the type of positive change that you've been fighting for for so long? Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely the work of generations. And I think that, you know, people who do social change work um, recognize that, you know, and there's a, to me, a real, um, it, it's not depressing to me to, to think that like this work, I will never like finish this work in my lifetime because I'm like totally counting on Olivia and on <laughs> my kids and on, you know, all the other young people who are going to continue this moving forward. And just as I continued it from, you know, the generation of, of Vivian, the person I mentioned who was my mentor and so many people who came before me. And I'm, you know, thinking a lot about young people um, in this in this crisis right now, and I keep thinking, like, my God, you you guys are going to be so resilient. You are gonna you are right now developing so many skills that people my age really, for the most part, don't have. And I'll tell you, I notice it especially in like very high, sort of like high achieving adults. 
uh, people who've built their lives around having a lot of autonomy, a lot of control, they don't do that well with uncertainty. It's mm-hmm. really, that has been one of the big, big challenges. And I feel like, wow, this younger generation, they are going to know how to handle that. You all are going to know how to handle uncertainty. You're going to know what to do, how to confront adversity, know how to improvise, be able to like find a new path when the path you thought you were on was shut down. You're going to be able to do this other thing that is so hard, which is to like hold like contradictory realities at the same time. You know, things are, things are terrible and certain things are great right now. Um, and, and neither of those depletes the other. And, and those kinds of capacities are not just useful to have to get through life. Those are core leadership skills. And I feel like the, that is what is going to really like see us through. That you all who are kind of coming of age now with this pandemic being like a defining experience for, for you um, are building really, really fundamental leadership skills. Absolutely. Um, couldn't agree with you more. Are you, can you share a story or two of, of some young women that, you're, that you've met or that you see around the world making a positive impact and, and just kind of any advice to like women who want to really step up and, and, and get more involved? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that one really basic piece of advice, and I see this in the young women that we work with around the world, we have a, a a particular program that we call Viva Girls um, that, um, that is just, just full of young women from all around the world doing incredible, incredible work. And what they all have in common is that they just picked up and started. You know, they didn't wait for like the perfect thing and they didn't like work out every kink and every wrinkle in the plan of what they wanted to do. They just picked up and began doing it. Um, and learned as they went and improved as they were, went and built, built the work as they went. And, um, and I think I would really in, encourage um, young girls to, to do that. Great. So now in closing, we have our three wise women questions or just a, three questions to get to know you better. And so I'll start. What is your favorite quarantine joy? um (laughs) i think my favorite quarantine joy and i thought of this when you said that you just got a new puppy so congratulations um one of them for sure for me has been um spending time with my dog and the main reason is because she just has no idea that any of this is going on and so (laughs) and so it's somehow just like such a relief to spend time with somebody who's like not doesn't have their head in the crisis in the same way that all the people in my life do. Um, so I've been really appreciating um, her, her doggy ignorance and her sweet ways. And what is her name and what kind of puppy is she? Um, her name is Maisie and she's a very rambunctious boxer. <laughs> and <laughs> is, what are you obsessed with right now? It could be a show or a book or anything that you're really obsessed with? Um, I, uh, well, I have been indulging in a guilty pleasure that I'll share, um, which is that I've been, um, I've been reading like some, some like fairly trashy novels. (laughs) And, (laughs) 
and you know we all have to kind of like practice our self-care where it whatever works for us right and uh for some reason like yeah i've just been enjoying these like very escapist long not saga kind of novels about vampires and witches and other things that again have like really nothing to do with our day-to-day right now right absolutely and they're they're escapist novels are the best. And when you're dealing with a global pandemic, you know, vampires and they're not all that escapist, you know, what could be <laughs> is changing for us right now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and finally, who do you consider to be the greatest leader of all time, living or historical? Hmm. I, I don't think that I have like a one person answer for that. I think that, um, I, I am thinking of a woman named Rose Cunningham, who is an indigenous mosquito leader from Nicaragua, who Madre has worked with for many years. And she is like a, a fantastic, fantastic leader. And, um, and I will share with you that we have a big picture of her and all of the women that she works with in our office. And in that picture, you can barely see Rose because she pushed all of the women who are part of the community development organization that she founded to the front to be in the picture and she is standing way, way in the back, kind of like smiling shyly. And, um, and to me, that's such a metaphor of like a particular leadership style that she embodies, which is about um, really giving people space and, um, and encouraging them to step out and step into their, their potential. And she's like in doing that very much okay with being in the background. Um, and it's something that I admire tremendously about her, but I really believe that there's a lot of different kinds of leadership styles and that different situations are call for different styles. And, um, and that's one of the reasons why we need each other. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you, Yifat, for taking the time to talk to us. I mean, you're doing such incredible work. And I think, again, to all of our listeners, if you haven't already, go listen to Yifat's TED Talk um, called In Uncertain Times, Think Like a Mother. And we'll be posting the information on where to find that TED Talk and more about the Madre organization. Um, but thanks to everyone for listening today. We'd like to wish all of the mothers and mother-like figures out there a very happy Mother's Day. And I'd like to give a special shout out to my own mother, Rose Fitt, who is my hero and inspires me strength every single day. And hey, can we ask a favor? If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and share it with a friend. And in closing, I'm Sherry. And I'm Olivia. And we hope that you feel more confident after today's episode. This week's challenge is to think like a mother. Think of someone more vulnerable than you. Deliver supplies to a homeless shelter, for example, or advocate for those disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. Think like a mother and act like a leader.